You're listening to Leadership Foundation Whispercast, and I'm Rick Enlow. Sitting right next to me is Dave Hillis. I am Dave Hillis. Great to see you. And we are uh, going to foreshadow a feature-length podcast, and so that's why we call it a Whispercast. We're going to whisper about this and kind of get everybody a chance to uh, do a little research or backstory and uh, and kind of lean into to this uh, full-length podcast. But this whisper is going to be about Reed Carpenter and uh, about the uh, really the origins of the Leadership Foundation charisms, and yet maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. What, could you explain <laughs> that to me a little bit? I get origin, but... <laughs> oh, I thought yeah. you meant Reed Carpenter. No, I get, I get the Reed part and the charisms <laughs> kind of, you know, together, but one at a time. Who's Reed and what's a charism? Well, I'll start with the charism. Um, it's a word that has been used, um, particularly in the, the Catholic Church, as they have tried to um, describe gifts of the Spirit that appear to be given to particular women and men. Um, and it's something that, you know, say St. Francis uh, in the 12th century all of a sudden discovered he had a particular gift with the poor. And so that was acknowledged and it became an order. And it's been, a, it's been for me at least, Rick, a marvelous way to describe the diversity of the body of Christ um, where St. Paul talks about, you know, uh, not everybody is a hand or everybody is an elbow or everybody is a nose, and yet we all need each other. And so it's, it's that working together uh, with this wonderful kind of almost Pentecost of different expressions of the gifts, um, i.e. charism. Yeah. And so Leadership Foundations, um, part of the argument here is that we have a particular charism, um, a gift, and of course what we've talked about um, for a number of different podcasts now is our particular charism or gift is that we see the city as God's playground mm -hmm. rather than a battleground. Well, you know, what's interesting is that uh, I played a little bit dumb on the charism thing, but uh, I you? just uh, I did a little research on that because I was fascinated by the fact that the root uh, word in the Greek language, which is what that comes from, mm -hmm. is kara, which is joy. Mm -hmm. You know, and joy is is the, the, the word that charism is built on, or charisma, or mm -hmm. gift. Also, Eucharist, Thanksgiving, mm -hmm. built mm -hmm. on kara. And, uh, and I think that it's so interesting that, um, that the, the city as a playground, you know, has at its very core this idea of uh, understanding the joyful uh, approach or looking through the joyful lens. I, I think that's, that's very well stated and, and maybe even said another way that that life is gift, mm -hmm. um, kind of period. Um, and as a result, city is gift. And so the question is, how do we receive it as gift? Mm -hmm. And uh, so much of us um, doesn't view, you know, life and city and each other as gift. And so we then move much more into a taking, a grasping, a, you know, holding on. So it, it is, it does yeah. have a lot of ramifications and uh, yeah, very, very significant. Yeah, so much so because... Uh, like if in fact you think you have to take or grab then you also have to protect and become territorial and you know and, and I mean we can certainly see that in, in uh, mm -hmm. so many expressions mm -hmm. that's why the city as a playground is part of the gift because mm -hmm. you're uh, helping us uh, and and I know that uh, that Reed had this picture uh, kind of way back and uh, we can anticipate that uh, that when he tells his story we'll, we'll be able to see that thread throughout the story. <laughs> yeah, and so you asked then, the second question was, who, who is Reed Carpenter? Um, 
And there are so many different ways to describe Reed. And when we get a chance to have the, the full length of podcast, I'm very excited about it because I think many people have a chance to experience, at least through this medium, what I've had a chance to uh, live with for the last 20 years. But in short, Reed is the person who um, was able to initially, as a result of Sam Shoemaker, um, see the city of Pittsburgh as a playground. Mm -hmm. And he built the very first leadership foundation, the Pittsburgh Leadership Foundation, in 1978. And then as a result of his work, other cities begin to pop up around the world. And um, for the last 10 years before he retired and I took his place as president, he was the president of the Leadership Foundation Network. And uh, like many men and women who have a kind of gravitas to them, uh, which Reed certainly does, uh, it's almost hard to describe him accurately, but he is... Um, a person of, of uncommon leadership and vision, um, a uh, remarkable, um, you know, human being that, uh, you know, really understood before very few people understood back in 1962 that where the world was headed was decidedly urban. Mm -hmm. And that not only that, that, that this was a gift. Cities were a gift from God rather than something that we had been cursed with. So... Uh, we'll explore that, of course, in the full podcast right. with him, but uh, really, really remarkable guy. And he is a person, um, you know, Rick, it's, it's hard to over-exaggerate my indebtedness to him uh, as a, you know, model, um, as a person who handed me, you know, this, this organization to help lead. Uh, he's every, every part of my life, uh, it sometimes feels like has the fingerprint of, uh, of Reed Carpenter on it. So yeah, now just to digress a second, mm -hmm. in some of our other podcasts, we had a chance to talk to Dr. Ray Bakke. And of course, he uh, had a, I mean, a philosophy, theology, and uh, a practicality about, you know, urban settings. And when did those guys uh, cross paths? Or which one <laughs> gave, uh, mm -hmm. would you say, which one influenced the other in what way? Uh, that's a great question, and if you if you remind me when we uh, do interview Reed, we can kind of tease this story out. They initially met at Moody Bible Institute, um, and this was back in the fifties. Um, but as as both of them like to tell the story, uh, Ray, who people have had a chance to listen to, was uh, kind of a straight A student, um, was on the dean's list, the teachers list, every kind of list you can imagine. Uh, Reed, I think by his second year, uh, finally and forever got kicked out um, <laughs> for a whole host of things that we shall not repeat on this particular uh, show, but um, very, very different. I, I oftentimes, uh, so they, but they understood each other and connected. Um, I oftentimes um, think about the two and the relationship that that Ray was the theoretician. Uh, you know, he grabbed the concept, the framework, but it was Reed who operationalized. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, he put, he put, you know, to use an old term, you know, boots on the ground, understood what Ray was talking about, but uh, got to work. Yeah. And uh, so that's, that's always been the relationship, and it's, uh, it's just remarkable to watch the two of them uh, appreciate one another uh, in recognition that they have two very different charisms, two very different gifts that, um, 
you know, on our best days, um, complement one another and make us all better. Yeah, what, that's quite a class at Moody right there. You know <laughs> what I mean? If you think about it. <laughs> hey, now I got a question for you. Yeah. Okay. I'll put you on the hot seat for a second. But how um, uh, underappreciated was uh, Reed's job when you weren't doing it? In other words, as you've now had 10 years of leading, <laughs> I mean, do you now look back and think, I had no, no idea? you know, what this guy was really up against. But, uh, I mean, what are some of the things that you've learned that you would say now, wow, now I really get, you know, how where Reed took us? That's uh, a great question. Um, you know, I would, I would answer it at a couple levels. Um, one is that I, I was well aware um, when I was asked to uh, consider taking Reed's place that taking the place of a founder um, and particularly Reed Carpenter, who one of the ways you know if Reed um, is around is that, that the oxygen supply goes down. Uh, he is just a big personality with a lot of energy, and um, I, I tend to head the other way. So I knew immediately that was going to be um, a tough shadow um, to, to live within and under and had to figure out how to differentiate myself while still building upon what Reed did. But the second was was uncovering or discovering um, the strength of character, uh, his resiliency, um, his ability to articulate um, something like the LF network when there wasn't quite yet the appetite for it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was ahead of its game. Yeah. And uh, and so Reed's ability to keep this wild and woolly network together um, without any money in the bank, without a real even sense of, of kind of strategic direction, but just the sheer force of his conviction that what Sam gave to him in 1962 and how it had begun to impact Pittsburgh was a gift that, that can't be kept within the borders of Pittsburgh and needs mm -hmm. to be shared with other cities around the world. and. And we could, we wouldn't, you know, be here today. I wouldn't be here today apart from that singular, and I would even go so far as to say heroic act of Reed Carpenter. And so um, every day I get up and go to bed um, thankful um, for what he has done. Yeah, it kind of, getting back to the Apostle Paul, it kind of reminds me of, uh, you know, when Paul said that, that which I received from the Lord, I also delivered unto you, you know, that, mm -hmm. that kind of, that passing it along kind of uh, uh, process. Well, cool. Yeah, the other thing I just would say real quickly, just because you asked the question, the other really remarkable, and I would even go so far as to say stunning thing about Reed Carpenter is that when you look at uh, the history of movements and networks, institutions, um, the most vulnerable place that a network or an institution has um, is in succession. Right. Um, you know, people will always rally to the founder, to that initial, you know, big, powerful person. But when he or she gets to a place of, you know, deciding that it's either time to retire or, you know, do something else, you'll oftentimes see um, organizations really fall um, by the wayside. Some actually disappear. Mm -hmm. um, Reed, to his everlasting credit, um, understood that um, the race that Paul, St. Paul talks about is actually not an individual sprint, it's a relay race. Mm -hmm. And that everything depends on how you take the baton and hand it off to another. And so at every step of the way, what, what has been, again, just um, breathtaking is his insistence that his 
legacy, his effectiveness, probably has less to do with what he actually did and has more to do with the next person who is going to be running the race, i.e. me, mm -hmm. and how well I do it. And that, that modeling, that, that lack of ego, um, you know, the lack of him needing to sort of have his name on this uh, has been one of the great graces in my life. Yeah, well, in fact, it, I think that is uh, so true because um, a lot of people um, wouldn't even know the story of Leadership Foundations and their origin and, you know, the development mm -hmm. uh, had it not been for the book that, you know, uh, you wrote. And so uh, I think that's part of, uh, I, I don't know, it's, I think it's the necessary part of, of uh, identifying who these uh, individuals were, including Reed. Um, and, and I know that um, you could kind of reference uh, uh, one of the sections in the book uh, that relates to this. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to do that. Um, I think similar to what we've done a couple times where we read a section out of the book that I think you know, says it better than, than I can try to articulate it. Um, and this happens actually in the first chapter where we try to describe this thing that took place in Pittsburgh. And of course, I think if our listeners, at least to date, have listened and those that might be new, um, just a quick review that it was Sam Shoemaker, an Episcopalian priest who had come to Pittsburgh, um, had become rector of Calvary Episcopalian Church, which was the big boulevard church in Pittsburgh. But just an absolutely uncommon guy, you know, ranging from, you know, he teamed up with a Catholic Jesuit to help form the AA movement and write the theology behind that. He created something called the Pittsburgh Experiment. I mean, the list just goes on and on with regard to Sam. But one of the things he did was that he understood that, um, you know, Pittsburgh was bigger than any one church or ministry. And so he would um, get over to people's homes and offices and say, welcome to Pittsburgh. You know, thank you for saying yes to God to serving Pittsburgh, which, of course, nobody even considered. I right, was like, right. no, I mean, I'm here because my deacons told me to be here. Yeah. And my denomination asked me. And, and Sam already was changing the paradigm. And then he would take people on a tour of Pittsburgh and show them, you know, this is Mary... Martha's, you know, food clinic, and they've been serving the poor with food for 125 years. And, and again, before anyone had come up with something like asset-based appreciation or, you know, appreciative inquiry, Sam was doing that. And, uh, and then he would end up the tour um, up in Mount Washington that overlooks the city of Pittsburgh, and it's a spectacular view. And uh, he would then begin to go through this ritual. So I want to pick that up where he uh, had the privilege, uh, and maybe more accurately, Reed had the privilege of being one of these people that went on this tour with, okay. with Sam. Yeah. And uh, it's page 13. I'll read an excerpt there, and then on page uh, 14 and 15. One day in 1962, as he had done countless times before, Sam took a few men up to the top of Mount Washington he guided those men onto the overlook in front of St. Mary on, Mount, on the Mount, giving them a breathtaking view of the river ways and across the muscle-bound city of steel. And as he had done countless times before, Sam commanded, Men, look at your city. And so then <clears throat> they look at the city, and I tried to describe what they see, and you know the the three rivers and the golden triangle and all of that. 
Um, and then it says this, and then Reed continues, Sam said these remarkable words. I have a vision that one day Pittsburgh will become as famous for God as it now is for steel. The passion in Reed's voice captures what happened inside him that day. And it was like, and it was like it was a voice from God, he added, announcing that God had a special intention for the city of Pittsburgh and maybe for cities all around the world. Many other people wrote about Sam's grand vision of Pittsburgh becoming famous for God. Sam's match had, had struck. His declaration was utterly bold and fascinating, and many people were thoroughly enjoying watching the sparks fly. But here's the point I want to bring to Reed. But it was Reed who carried dry tinder up that mountain. What would a city be like, he asked, if it's a city that makes God famous? What happens inside the kind of city that shows God off? How do the people behave in such a city? What do their businesses do, the hospitals and schools? And the question of greatest importance to read, what becomes of the poor? Mm -hmm. And I, I, I like this idea that, you know, Sam had done it for a lot of people. Um, and the image we try to use is, you know, he would light, you know, match after match yeah, after yeah. match. <laughs> But it was Reed. It was Reed who was the dry tinder that mm -hmm. that match just grabbed a hold of and, I mean, burst into flames. And uh, I've had the privilege, Rick, of actually being with um, Reed in that very spot when he tells the story. And we've actually got a video up on our on the Leadership Foundation's website. Um, and uh, it's, it's, it's as real today as it was, you know, in 1962 to him. It's, it's quite quite something yeah well that that is a great backdrop for uh this feature length podcast where we're going to be uh, in conversation with reed and, and asking questions and again if you'd like to uh check out um uh reed talk about this the, the same experience that uh, dave just read about it's at our website at uh, leadershipfoundations.org media and as well if you'd like to uh send us questions maybe you have some questions you'd like us to ask reed when we get a chance to talk to him then send those to info at leadershipfoundations.org, and we'll look forward to that. That's why the Whispercast gets us kind of uh, what's our appetite for the feature-length podcast when we'll get to uh, hear personally from Reed and, and ask him more directly uh, his experience. Absolutely, Rick. I really look forward to it. Me too.